Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rob Scheinberg, Rabbi of United Synagogue of Hoboken, New Jersey. And today we're learning Psachim Daf Lamed Bet, 32 A and B. And the theme today is penalties, financial penalties, penalties imposed by human courts, and penalties imposed only by God. We begin with a Mishnah, which, as has been the case with the last couple of pages, actually begins at the bottom of the previous page, Lamed Aleph Amud Bat, 31b. Ha'uchel trumat chametz bepesach b'shogeg m'shalem keren b'chomesh, b'mezid patun mitashlumim umidimei etzim. What happens if it is Pesach and someone eats truma, that is chametz? So let's define some terms. Truma, which literally means that which is elevated, is the name given to produce that has been designated for temple use. Truma was permitted to be consumed only by Kohanim, the priests, and only in sanctified precincts, which in the time of the Talmud means it could only be consumed in the temple in Jerusalem by priests and appropriate conditions of purity. But of course, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70 CE, towards the very beginning of what we regard as the rabbinic period, meaning that most of the rabbis who discussed this question and other questions dealing with temple practice never actually saw the temple and may never have met anyone who actually saw the temple. In one sense, these conversations are theoretical, though in another sense, the rabbis believed passionately that the temple would be rebuilt in their lifetimes and that they would see the restoration of this and other temple practices. So, back to the Mishnah, eating truma, if you're a non-Kohen, is a major infraction. If one did it inadvertently, one has to pay it back, adding a penalty of one-fifth of what one has consumed. And if one did it on purpose, well, the penalty is much more severe. The penalty is mitabi deshamayim, or death at the hands of heaven. In other words, it is a crime that cannot be prosecuted by human courts, but God would ensure that the person would die a premature death. Don't worry, we will talk more about this concept and its theological implications at the end of this podcast. But perhaps surprisingly, in such a case where someone ate truma on purpose, of course one needs to make restitution. After all, eating truma inappropriately is considered to be a kind of stealing. But one actually is exempt from the additional penalty of paying the additional one-fifth if one ate it deliberately. And the explanation provided in the Talmud is the principle known as kim li barabamine. If, one, if in one fell swoop one commits an act for which one is liable for a range of punishments, one only receives the most severe of these and is exempt from the lesser punishments. So in this case, the person who ate truma inappropriately is going to be punished with a premature death. Considering this, we don't also burden him with having to pay a financial penalty though he does have to make financial restitution. However, well, it happened to be Pesach when one ate this truma, and the truma happened also to be chametz. You could imagine that the penalty would be all the more severe. So let's go back to the Mishnah. 
One who eats truma that is chametz on Pesach inadvertently, one pays back what one ate and adds a penalty of one-fifth. As we've said, this is the general rule for those who consume truma inadvertently. B'mezid, patur mitashlumin But if you do it on purpose, one is exempt from any payment at all. One is exempt from paying back what one ate. One is exempt from paying the additional 20% penalty. And one is even exempt from paying what the misappropriated truma would have been worth had it been used for firewood. So this may seem strange or even unfair, that the penalty appears more severe for the one who committed this infraction inadvertently than for the one who committed it deliberately. Then again, the one who commits this infraction deliberately is also liable for mitabi deshamayim, death at the hands of heaven, which sounds worse than any financial penalty could be. Much of these pages of the Gemara are occupied trying to understand why this is so. We already know that the person who ate chametz truma on purpose is exempt from paying the 20% penalty because that penalty applies only to those who ate truma inadvertently. But why is the person who deliberately ate chametz truma on Pesach exempt from paying back the value of what he or she ate? The answer is because what was consumed was chametz on Pesach. And chametz on Pesach has no value to Jews. So it's as if the person who ate the chametz truma has already paid back its value. It's just that its value is zero. So you may be wondering in that case, why does the person who ate chametz truma inadvertently have to pay it back? And that discussion is on the page, but not in this podcast. Now, the Gemara then endeavors to see, can we use this Mishnah to solve a different but related question? When one has to pay the truma penalty of one-fifth, how do we calculate that? Is it one-fifth of the value of what was eaten? Or is it one-fifth of the volume of what was eaten? This is an interesting question that goes even beyond the issues of penalties for consuming truma. When we want to determine the essence of something, do we determine it based on its substance or based on its value? But for this podcast, we'll take a look at an issue, another issue at the bottom of Amud Bet, page B, that returns to the theme of mitah bide shamayim, death at the hands of heaven. We introduce a brighta, a Tanaitic statement, that describes how some infractions, like deliberately eating truma, carry the penalty of death at the hands of heaven. And other infractions, such as eating chametz on Pesach, carry the penalty called karet. Karet literally means being cut off. It is possible that on the most basic, pshat, plain contextual meaning in the Torah, that this refers to some kind of excommunication or exclusion from the Israelite community. But in the Talmud and in rabbinic literature, karet is understood as referring to a different kind of death at the hands of heaven, combined with the cutting off of one's family line, also imposed at the hands of heaven rather than by a human court. The bottom of page 32b includes a discussion of which of these penalties is more severe. Without actually getting into the argument itself, suffice it to say that initially there's an assumption that karet is more severe, but it appears that there are some authorities who weren't so sure who thought that perhaps mitabi de shamayim is more severe. But let's back up and address the question that may be on your mind. How are we supposed to understand these divinely imposed death sentences? Well, when you listen to this podcast, and at the beginning of every podcast, you hear Daron Ruskay's voice noting that this is an opportunity to study the daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. This will be an example of why in this context, I qualify as a quote-unquote liberal rabbi because you would likely get a different answer from a rabbi with a more traditional theological background. On the one hand, for the rabbis in the Talmud, 
It was an important part of their legal system to have some severe punishments that could not be imposed by human courts, but could only be imposed by God, especially ritual crimes, crimes that today we might classify as victimless crimes, crimes in the realm of the relationships between people and God rather than relationships between people and people. However, on the other hand, even though a system that includes penalties imposed by God appears to presume that God would systematically and fastidiously impose these penalties, there's evidence in the Talmud that not everyone believed that this system actually worked exactly as described. Not everyone believed that people who were, according to the system, deserving of getting the punishments of karet or mitabi de shamayim actually got those punishments. And certainly they did not believe that premature death was always a punishment or could be presumed to be a punishment. There are numerous statements in the Talmud that demonstrate that the rabbis were well aware that rewards and punishments do not get allocated in this world in a systematic fashion. Perhaps most famously is the statement in Pirkei Avot, Ethics of the Fathers, Chapter 4, Mishnah 15. Rabbi Anai Omer, Ein Biadenu, Lo Mishalvat Harishayim, Ve'af Lo Misurei Hatzadikin. Rabbi Yanai taught, it is not in our hands to understand the tranquility of the wicked or the suffering of the righteous. We may add to this the tragic story in Kiddushin 39b, in which a father tells a son to climb a ladder to go to a bird's nest to fulfill the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird before taking the eggs or the young. In other words, in just one action, this boy would be fulfilling the two commandments in the Torah for which there is a specific reference to the reward of a long life. But tragically, he falls to his death. Whereas the Talmud suggests that the famous rabbi who became a heretic, Elisha ben Abuya, abandoned Judaism in part because of the sad story. A different rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov, uses this story to buttress his opinion, Schar mitzvah b'hai alma leka. There is no reward for the performance of mitzvot in this world. We could also look at the story in Masechet Chagigah, page 4b, in which the angel of death demands to be brought the soul of a woman named Miriam, whose time has come to die. But the underling angel, who's assigned to take this, this soul, gets the names confused and brings a different woman named Miriam, who's not supposed to die yet. But what is done is done, and the woman dies prematurely, tragically, through no fault of her own. And of course, the very most famous story in Jewish literature about undeserved suffering is that of Job in the Bible, and all of his sons die prematurely, apparently through no fault of their own. Now, fully exploring the Talmud's views on the problem of theodicy, the problem of the suffering of the righteous, is well beyond the scope of this podcast. But I want to point out that when the Talmud refers to death penalties that are carried out by God, those very same rabbis knew that there's a lot of premature death in the world that afflicts people who are perfectly righteous, just as there are many criminals in the world who live to a ripe old age. The notion of karet and mitabi de shamayim, then, was part of their idealized wish for justice in our world, to be more orderly than we currently experience it. And perhaps part of the wisdom of the Talmud is in encouraging us to hold contradictory truths in our minds simultaneously. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.